what's up what's up what's up what's up hey man y'all done did it again tuned in to another episode of all truth no chaser i am your host larry s white the second and i sure am glad to have you check this out i seen the messages man and i heard what y'all had to say and i totally agree we had to get alan to come back on this show to give us a part two and he agreed so let's um, you know what i don't even want to waste no time let's just go ahead and get into it my brother from another mother how are you doing tonight doing good brother doing real good glad to be back yes sir man i'm so happy to have you again because i felt like we was gonna get beat up so (laughs) first things first how have you and your bonus son been doing we are doing good things are well man i can honestly say things are better yeah how how are you feeling um when the episode dropped um when the episode dropped, uh, I, I didn't have plans to actually listen to it. You know? Oh, boy. I felt to myself I lived it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I didn't need to hear it back, but uh, you encouraged me to to give it a listen, and uh, I wasn't disappointed. You know, I think um, initially, after we wrapped recording, I felt like I, I, I actually wanted to have you scrap the whole conversation because I didn't feel like it was a true representation of where our relationship was today and that that was just a piece of the journey to get to where we are today. Um, so I, I think I felt a lot like uh, some of your listeners in that it was incomplete. You know, mm. it wasn't a period but at the end uh, of those thoughts and what it truly means to be uh, a bonus dad uh, to my to my son specifically. I think that's beautiful that um, you are conscious and you are aware that things may have started off rocky, but growth has presented itself and you you're doing the work necessary to be open to that growth is it's critical because the truth of the matter is good, bad, and ugly. Nothing is just linear. No. There's, as we said in the first episode, those ebbs and flows encapsulates an entire relationship, especially when you're talking about your children. Because sometimes your kids can piss you off and you don't want to deal with them. And then there's other times your kids are the greatest human beings on the planet that make you say, I'm so happy that I got a kid. You know, um, so here's the question. Did your wife listen to the episode? She did listen to the episode and she listened to it and, um, she said it was great. Uh, she thought that it depicted our challenges in a great way. Um, she valued the honesty and I think I shared this the last time we met, um, we since everything went down we we put it all out on the table we went through the process of unpacking all of the the baggage that was associated with that really tough period in our marriage and um she felt like uh you know the conversation was accurate and she agreed that there should be a a comma and not a period at the end of that first conversation. 
I think for you, I would imagine your wife listening to it was probably, and then coming back and walking away from it as something positive had to have been like a load off. Yeah. I I, I think, I think uh, it was a load off. Um, You know, at first, you know, she was like, you don't want me to listen to that. I told her I didn't mind if she listened to it or if, if she didn't listen to it, it didn't matter one way or the other to me. And I I told her, like I just told you, we lived it. So there were no surprises there. But one did one thing did come from that. I think um, I think she probably had an idea of my emotion and my feeling. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, hearing it as a third party turned her on uh, to something new. Would you say it created like this essence of? Um, intimacy in in that space, not intimacy like as in like sex or nothing like that, but no, intimacy is relationship, like a connection. Um, I, I don't know if I'd go that far to say that that conversation inspired that, but I would say being direct and honest in that same way, and probably even a more intimate way. Uh, has given way to a better connection between the two of us. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful, man. Um, I think just just hearing what you say, hopefully it gives a lot of people uh, hope and encouragement to be in a space to know that they can lean into that true feeling, Mm -hmm. not the whole yodeling hey babe how you doing and we got the yodeling playing in the head because we know it's unsafe to truly be vulnerable in a moment especially when you have a spice a spouse that likes to keep it spicy since i said spice (laughs) but you have a spouse that um genuinely can handle your true face she she can handle it Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, and, and this is including my, myself, mm-hmm. um, to expose my true face, mm-hmm. I'm still like in this moment asking myself, like, can my wife handle that? Mm-hmm. I know the answer is yes, mm-hmm. but do I have the courage to be that vulnerable? Because I want to keep the peace in my house. Mm-hmm. I want to keep the temperature at a place where it is all love. But sometimes, and I think most men feel like if I really, really, really expressed how I felt about a situation or about our kids, her kids, or how I feel about how she deals with my kids or whatever that looks like, or the kids that we had together, like maybe I didn't like how you handled that. If I really expressed how I felt, but that messed something up, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, we dealt with that as a relationship, as a as a married couple. We're dealing with that uh, today as a married couple, but uh, it it really showed its face early um, on in our marriage. 
Yeah. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, you know, the last time we, we, we spoke. Um, but I put it this way, you know, there was a period early on where I felt like we were almost radioactive and, you know, everything that could have happened, happened. And mm. It was as bad as it could have possibly been. Um, even be even maybe beyond your worst prediction. Um, uh, I talked about how I didn't necessarily set out to end in a relationship or begin a relationship rather where there was already children involved. Um, and if I categorize those initial years, I would categorize them as as challenging as challenging could be and in re direct relationship to my worst fears of being connected where there's already a child in play and there was a previous relationship in play. Did you feel that was intensified when you guys started to have kids? Yeah, because it birthed new uh, insecurities in me that I didn't even know existed. Wow. And, um, wow. you know, I think we left off at LAX, mm. you know, mm -hmm. heading into an emergency hearing. Well, the Reader's Digest version of, of what happened essentially amounted to the judge uh, ruling in favor of reversing the custody order. Wow. Um, there were multiple there were multiple issues that came into play. And if I told you that they didn't cut, that they didn't hurt worse than I could have ever predicted, I'd be lying. Um, during the proceedings uh, at uh, LA County Courthouse, you know, it was it was revealed that a social worker had, you know, spoken with my, uh, my, my bonus son and he shared a litany of untruths about my wife and I and our household and um, some of the most you know, offensive and egregious and painful things that, you know, you as a parent would understand would be heartbreaking. Mm. And, you know, when I tell you that in this particular setting, uh, it's set up as, as you would imagine it would be on TV. It's a closed off wooden room, wooden paneled room. On one side is my wife's ex and on the other side is my, my wife. And she, read the dictation from the social worker of her interaction with Shane. And all I could do was see my wife's shoulders as she sobbed out of pain from the words that she was hearing that were uttered by, you know, her firstborn son. And I couldn't get to her because the bailiff wouldn't let me reach for her to console her. He wouldn't let me, you know, speak some words into her ear. Mm -hmm. um, 
he fended me off with his hand and I, you know, I had to sit back down and I just I had to watch her break loose. And after that, it was very clear that the judge didn't put much stock into the accusations that were being made on his part. But she said what was clear to her was that there was a clear preference for the child who at this point was 11 or maybe 10 and could be in a position to make a decision about where he preferred to live. So um, she saw very clearly that at this point, my wife was nine months pregnant. And she uttered words that uh, I don't think she meant maliciously, but cut very deeply, I think. Um, she said, Mom, I see you are with child and that you have married. And uh, it seems as if, you know, I'm paraphrasing, your son would like to, to remain with his father and we're inclined to grant that order. Um, so essentially the inverse mm -hmm. of what the order was when we walked through those doors was what it was going to be when we left those doors. Uh -huh. So he would have the majority of time in custody with, with Shane. Um, at the time, we didn't really feel guaranteed or reassured that those rules and those set of orders would be honored. Um, that coupled with the heartbreak of you know, the words which we, you know, still to this day assume were encouraged by, you know, his father or someone, someone close to him. Um, we don't know. And it, it, it just felt like we had gotten the biggest gut punch, like we lost a child because we really genuinely felt that the dynamic of our relationship would change uh, with Shane, his mother's relationship included. We thought that Shane would be affected and he would change the trajectory that he was heading you know, down. And, it, you know, I walked out of the I walked out of the courthouse um, and my dad had been on standby waiting to hear from us as to what was to happen next. And um, I went to explain to him the, the nature of the conversation and the, you know, the climate in the courtroom. And uh, I just broke down. I said, Pop, we lost them. We lost them. And he's like, what? What? I can't, I can't understand what you're saying. And I, I was sobbing. So even now I get a little emotional thinking about it. I was sobbing because it felt like he was being taken away and he was being taken away unfairly. And we really, truly didn't understand what was going to happen. And that was the very beginning of what I felt like was true loss and a true setback mm -hmm. in the relationship. Not only for me, I was sobbing for my wife because she had been fighting so long tooth and nail to prevent this very thing from happening. And it was always in the back of her mind that it could very well happen because there was very little that his father wouldn't do to have him. And on some, on some levels, like I shared last time, I understand that because 
I'm going to the mat for mine. Mm-hmm. But it felt like it felt malicious. It felt unparalleled to anything that we would have wanted to have to have this child endure. So right now, you guys are literally at rock bottom. How, now granted, for our listeners, years have gone by. How did you guys go from rock bottom and begin to claw your way up? Like, when would you say your daughter is born? When would you say you felt as if you guys are starting to slowly move with the hurt, slowly healing, and beginning to move in a direction that is positive? Um, so if that was August, late August, Anaya was born the first week of October. Um, we spent all of September preparing for her to enter the world. So, um, we were securely distracted, but not ambivalent to what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that uh, it created a new fear in me, um, having a child that uh, is directly of me and um, feeling rejected and hurt very badly by, by my bonus son just very recently. It made me feel, like I said, insecure about what kind of father I would be. And if um, if I had done something in the past or presently that had somehow brought this fate on us. And it, it, as irrational as it is. I, I want you to know, that's right? exactly how it felt. I don't, I don't, I hate to interrupt you but I understand that in ways that I can't even talk about from a position of saying is the fault of my past the reasons why am I paying for that now because I'm through my kids Um, and you know what's crazy, man? I can't, when I think about my dad, my wife and I had this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I think about my relationship with my father, I remember telling her, we were at your house and I'm watching you interact with your dad, wishing that I had an experience like that with my father. Like you guys being in this space of like, granted, when you outside looking in, you never know the history of what you're looking at, of how they arrived there. Mm-hmm. All I know is I wish I had that. Yeah. So I don't know if my dad ever asked, 
those type of questions. I don't even know if he cared, you know, to eat because to to be in that space that you're talking about requires so much self evaluation internally. God, am I paying for sins right now? Is 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 this how you getting me back right now? The fact that you allowed this into my life. And 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 did I not repent for something? Am I not sorry for something? Like what's wrong with with our relationship, me and you, God, mm -hmm. to allow this? Yeah. I I understand that deeply. Haven't I been good? You know? Did it I mean I ain't been perfect, mm -hmm. but bruh. This, this is what you allowed for me. Mm -hmm. And going from that space, what revelations did you, have you received a revelation yeah. in regards to how you parent today? Yeah, I think, um, I don't think I would be the parent that I am today uh, if it wasn't for that situation. Um, for all of the insecurity that I felt going into fatherhood at that age for the very first time, uh, that age being birth to my daughter, I felt so ill-prepared. I felt so fearful of messing something up, messing her up mm -hmm. because of what had happened. I think I would have been scared anyway, but I was given an example to fear. Mm. And I, I think I took it very seriously. Uh, and I was born October 8, 2015. And my wife went back to work the first week of December. And uh, at the time, her career required much more travel than, than mine. So we were set up for her to be gone quite a bit. So we'd hired help so that I could, you know, work during the day and come home and take care of the baby when she was out of town. And um, I think that I was still scared. Mm -hmm. And shortly thereafter, uh, I don't, know why this started to happen but my father-in-law started to come in place of help mm. and he would fly in from atlanta to houston and uh he would i say this i have a really 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 good dad not a perfect dad but he is the best damn dad that I could have, you know. I cut from a pop. That's that's my guy. He is a role model. He is a, a genuine guy that uh, I, I hope that I emulate in a lot of ways. Um, but this part of fatherhood, I needed some hands-on training. I needed some on-the-job training. So my father-in-law fl flies in because he's retired. He's uh, in the 70s at this point. And uh, he saved the day for me. Wow. He saved the day for me. He, he really, truly blessed me 
in my darkness. Like he gave me so much light from the fact that, you know, I didn't feel worried about what was happening with my baby when I was at work. Uh, he gave you peace. He gave me so much peace. I come home. I don't have to think about it. Dinner's on the table. I'm talking lamb shanks. I don't know how this, this man figured out how to do an entire rack of lamb in the new way. But he did it, and it was righteous. Like, you know, and he would take care in that every day. And then we would sit down and we would watch some reruns for a little bit. And he would try to teach me Spanish, and I'm a bad student. And I just enjoyed the time bonding with him and getting to to learn about where he'd come from. Mm. And I started to see a lot of parallels in him and his personality and myself. Mm. And I think he was a pretty good dad. You know, mm. obviously I married his daughter, I've seen his kids. Um, and he was showing me how to be a good dad to my baby too. Not in, in, in the, uh, the formal sense of now here's how you do things. He was leading by example and didn't even know it. That the fatherly intimacy. With the baby. You know, it's funny because I never it's it's wild because the people you are closest to in friendships, you have the most unspoken parallels that you're not aware of. And through this conversation, man. I learned from my father-in-law what it feels like to be loved by a man because we underestimate the power of being loved by a man. I got that from my father-in-law. My father-in-law, who's passed, Mark Johnson, um, has transformed like... I know what it feels like. Sometimes I look at my kids and I'm I'm like, yo, what does it feel like to know that I'm I'm always present? And they're telling me to go away. Mm -hmm. Because this is normal for them. What does it feel like to have this type of of, of accountability? Mm -hmm. This type of like knowing mm -hmm. I'm gonna be here regardless. Mm -hmm. He's the first man to just call me, hey, hey that young buck, mm -hmm. how you doing? Mm -hmm. And not want nothing, mm -hmm. not request nothing. Mm -hmm. He's calling because he genuinely wants to know how am I? Mm -hmm. He's not calling about his daughter. He's not calling about the kids. Mm -hmm. He's calling to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And I've never experienced that before. It's the first time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I also understand like there's some things when it comes to father laws, I don't want to talk about what you brought. Like, like I'm not your man's. Okay, you need to call your man's and talk to your man's about that. I don't, I don't want no nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. But um, like just to hear that, like that we also through our relationship have that in common too. Mm -hmm. But that's not what this is about. This yeah. is about you. So yeah, and I, I include that part because it really helped kind of bring me back from the edge. It, it, it helped me to pick up my mat in a lot of ways and move forward in a way that I don't think I even expected to move forward. Mm. Uh, I feel like the situation that, that, that happened right before Anaya was born 
birthed in me a kind of zealous dad that just, hmm, I can't even fathom the words, but the sheer presence of my daughter puts me at peace. Mm. I said that word a couple of times tonight, peace, peace, peace. But if above anything else that could exist, there's peace with she and I. There's nothing like it. Yeah. I can't compare it. It's different. It's different with her than it is with my wife. I feel peaceful there. It is different from the relationship that I feel with my sons because it's 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 definitely there too. But there's something about my daughter that I can't quite put my finger on that we're so connected. And if you mess with one of us, it's the both of us type of thing. And people say that, and I think they mean what they say, but no, I'm, I mean, this is, I, I akin this to the relationship that I have with the Lord above, the relationship that we have here mm-hmm. on earth is something divine. So how did you, with all the issues on the front end of you and your bonus son, how were you able to, now you have a daughter, how were you able to help your wife kind of, I would imagine she's still mentally distracted. Mm-hmm. You know, she's happy to go to work, I would imagine, because she's able to focus on something else. Nail on the head. Right. But when she comes home, the realities of her firstborn, now she has the newborn, the husband. How were you able to support that entire economy? I don't know. We never talked about this. This might be a new revelation for her, but I always felt like there was a distance for a long time uh, after that. There was a separation. Between you and her? Between her and her son. I think the separation between her and her son was physical and literal. But the separation between her uh, her, her family with Anaya and I, it felt strained. Mm. I don't know if she would categorize it like that, but... I think from my perspective, I certainly felt like there was a distance. And I think I understood why. I remember talking to a really good, you know, friend of mine who was female at the time, and she picked it up right away. She said, I don't know this for sure, but I bet you there is a lot of pain that she's feeling right now that she just doesn't know how to deal with. And as beautiful and as elated as this new baby is, this new situation might be, she can't face it. So she's gone back to work because she doesn't have to face it. Mm -hmm. And she can busy herself and further herself. And there is a very clear-cut direction and end goal in that environment. Where you guys are, it's fuzzy. Did you feel like you had to... That called discontent because I saw something on the internet that said that when a woman has a son, it 
attaches itself to uh, the one person that's supposed to love her unconditionally. And then you have a daughter with you being a guy. That's the that's the girl that's going to love you unconditionally. And while you're trying to balance bonus son, brand new baby, brand new wife. And you're trying to maneuver those pieces. It's almost like you're juggling. Like, where are you at mentally in that? Do you also feel strained? I feel our relationship straining or starting to strain. Uh, our marriage is still very young. You know, mind you, we're still barely a year into this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're dealing with all of these things. And that's what I mean when I say a period of radioactivity. It's just like everything that, that could go on went on. Mm-hmm. Um, and decided to buy a house and decided to completely uproot and scratch make our existence or at least attempt to and i think the excitement of doing that worked for a little while when you say you're talking about the identity of being married husband and wife that and just being in relationship as a family Mm. brand new baby included Mm. and so that's why I say the distractions of buying a house, coming in and getting new cars and, uh, you know, taking a trip here and there. And, you know, all those things that we were attempting to do to either, you know, satiate the appetite to be busy or to be fulfilled. It's you guys are escaping. We were escaping. You guys were escaping. Yeah. And, you know, really, that was kind of the... That was a, that was kind of the only path forward at that point. Yeah, we were we were both committed, and we, you know we knew we were where we were supposed to be. But it was one of those instances where we had to go through to get through. And um, I think what you were talking about earlier in this conversation about being afraid to be completely vulnerable with how you feel about a situation um, came into play because I don't think I was directly honest with her about feeling as though there was a distance that was growing, a chasm that was growing. Did you us. did you realize that for yourself? I did. You I did? did? And so I tried to um, I tried to fix it by myself. I mm. started secretly seeing a therapist. Wow. And you know, essentially what that therapist told me was like this ain't gonna work in secret. You know? Definitely not. So after a few visits, her homework for me was to bring her in and have this conversation. Did that help? No. Oh, good times. Uh, the best. Not like two angry motherfuckers sitting next to each other on the sofa, <laughs> pointing the finger. And, you know, and the therapist that I had at that time, to her credit or discredit, wasn't very good. Mm. Uh, she perpetuated. And so we kind of, we lived in limbo for years, mm-hmm. you know, going with the highs, the lows, the ebbs and the flows, change coming back on the holidays. Um, things seem to be getting a little bit better there. I mean, we would have these periods of time where he'd come 
And for the first couple of days, or the first couple of weeks, couple of weeks if it was summer, a couple of days if it was winter or fall break, uh, would be going fine. And then slowly but surely towards the end of that period of time, things would start to unfold. And then, you know, it, it got a little dicey, you know. I want to go home, uh, you know, I don't want to be here much longer. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it hurt her, it hurt Claudia. And as, as this train is moving, mm -hmm. you guys get blessed with another baby. Yeah, yeah. And you get blessed with another baby in amongst this turmoil. Did that help or exacerbate? It came as it was another surprise, mm. a blessed surprise. My son, uh, Rogers Allen, was born um, September 21st of 2017. Uh, I was beyond overjoyed, more than I even anticipated when I found out it was going to be a boy. I think I was still in a little shock when we did the initial home pregnancy test because things were still kind of chaotic. Chaotic. Hadn't quite closed the door with the situation with my bonus son. We were still learning how to be parents to Anaya. We were still kind of building our from scratch start. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh God, here we go again. Now I'm going to do it twice. And this is before I hit the excitement of understanding or knowing that it was a boy. And I think I would have been excited even still if it was a girl or, you know, as long as it was healthy, that was always my thing. Mm -hmm. But I felt insecure again. I was like, Because ah. you didn't deal with it. Because I didn't deal with it then. Yeah. Uh, I, got, I got some instruction on how to manage for my father-in-law. I got some peace from my father-in-law. And I built this relationship with my amazing daughter. And I was just getting the hang of that. And here was another baby coming. I felt so ill-prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And when I found out uh, at the sonogram that it was a boy, I remember I, I remember I was such a jackass because I was sitting there and I was answering work emails while we were going through the sonogram. Wow. And I was, that's how disconnected I was. Mm -hmm. I'm on my phone and, you know, granted, she was probably trying to find the situation in Claudia's uh, stomach. And so I was, you know, I was scrolling, disengaged. And then all of a sudden I hear, look, Dad, look what I found. It's like it's going to be a boy. And I dropped that phone. I might even crack the screen. And I just pumped my fist in the air like, yeah, like I did it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I thought I did, but there was a an unexpected joy that came from knowing that I was having my son. And uh, my kids make me a puddle every single time, for better or for worse. But Finding out that it that he was a he, just top top five experiences. So in life. here's the question. Here's the question I have with everything that you encountered with your bonus son. Mm 
with all that experience that you endured with your bonus son? How has that made you a better man? Made me a better husband because I've learned to be patient. Uh, I learned that it really truly isn't about me and that while I may control the thermostat, she is my temperature. And I that's always, like a bar. Uh, that's a bar. I, I always <laughs> want to see her happy. Always. And um, I think that as a as a father, like I said before, it made me completely zealous. It it it, it made me full in, like fully invested to the point where like new opportunities come along, I'm turning them down or I'm looking at other opportunities career-wise because I can't fathom being on the road and my kids are here and call me crazy or you know obsessive or whatever, but I, I just didn't want there to be a night where they wake up and one of us wasn't home. Mm-hmm. No matter if it was grandma, grandpa, auntie, or cousin watching them, or you know, mommy and daddy is still home. Mommy and daddy are here, um, and I think that had a lot to do with that experience. Just knowing how fragile and how easily things could change, the influence that other people can have on your children. Granted, you know, Shane's father is his father, obviously. But knowing that it was just that easy to sway his son against his mother mm-hmm. and whatever he did or whatever he said, it, it made it seem as if the relationship between the two that we had given birth to together was, I want to say fragile, but a delicate for sure. I, I, I think you can use fragile and delicate interchangeably. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you think you would basically, I feel as though you're saying if it wasn't for your bonus son, if it wasn't for those experiences, good, bad, and ugly, you would not be who you are today. We'll never know. I'd like to think that I would be the same giving, caring, loving husband and father that I am. But I will say that that, that that situation and those challenges certainly put it in a whole different perspective. It opened my eyes to the fact that I got to look up for my email. It opened my eyes to the fact that I got to ensure that as the thermostat, she knows she's the temperature. I've got to I've got to go the extra mile because this is delicate and can change at any moment unexpectedly. And that didn't mean that it was all rainbows and butterflies from the point in which we had Rogers Island because it it just simply wasn't, as you know. Um, It didn't start off easy that either. Yeah. And and I think what's, what's amazing, and I don't want this to be missed, There is nothing easy about being a parent. There is nothing easy about being a bonus parent. And on top of it, it is nothing easy about being married. But 
hot dog. It is something magical about staying in the fire. Mm -hmm. If you endure it, if you carry it, if you handle it as we are designed to do, because that is what masculinity looks like. Mm -hmm. Masculinity, even though the world might try to say it's a negative phrase, the world may try to put this spin on it, but when you get to the nitty gritty of it, the fact that you as the man in your house had to learn how to endure the fire, had to learn how to stay present, had to learn how to be connected, had to learn to look at chaos and look at your wife and be like, I'm not happy with how this looks. I'm not happy with how I feel. I'm not happy with my thoughts. I tried to find resolution by going to a therapist, but I tell you what, if I don't know nothing, I'm going to love that boy regardless. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to love you regardless. You know, I remember, you know, that made me think of a specific instance when you know, Shane was visiting uh, after everything that transpired in, in L.A. And um, I don't remember what the instance is. But we were in the car, he and I jumped in the back seat. He was in the funk about something. And he made a comment about, why do you even care? You, you know. You ain't my daddy. Basically. And I said, you know, Shane, all that may be true. I still love you. And for some reason, God has assigned us to each other. So this is it. Period. Ain't nothing you can do about it. And. You know, to quote my aunt, you could hear a mouse piss on cotton. You know, he got quiet and he looked out the window and I guess he was saying to himself, well, I guess that's that. And I, it, it just it just poured from me. And mm -hmm. I, there were always glimmers. In the midst of the chaos, there was always a glimmer. And it was the glimmers that I think propelled us forward to where we are today. Um because there was a high degree of toxicity, I think, from that moment all the way up into probably like maybe a year ago. Mm -hmm. And for those folks that are counting, that's a good chunk of our marriage. Mm -hmm. And how long y'all been married? It'll be nine years. It is nine years. It'll be 10 this year. And I think it's important, right? Because for you to say, this happened in year one. Yeah. Most marriages fail in four. Mm -hmm. And y'all, and typically, honeymoon period is supposed to last, what, two years before? We start really looking at it, really looking at the mirror that's in front of you. I mean, because really, she's holding up a yes. mirror that you're looking at you, you're holding up the mirror, she looking at herself. And neither one of us like the other person's reflection. Mm -hmm. And as much as I would go on and on about, you know, I don't feel like myself, I don't like who I am in this marriage, and I want to change it. That was where we were when we went to see that first therapist. And 
neither one of us was communicating. Y'all started off on the for worse part. Yeah. We, <laughs> for better or worse. Well, we we just got it to was, better. It was it was toxic. And you know, that's my impression of it. You know, at the time, and I don't know if this is how she genuinely felt or if she was sticking her head in the sand, but she's like, you're the one with the problem. You got a problem with me. I don't have a problem with you. So deal with it. it was Wait, she's like, saying this to you? She was saying that to me. You're the one with the problem. Yeah. She yeah. was telling me that I had the problem and that she was fine with me and that there was nothing that we needed to fix. Did you feel and that I was kept, true? I kept insisting. I'm like, if there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with us. So yeah, we got to fix it. And so that's mm-hmm. the only way we ended up on the couch in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, after those moments of release uh, in that office for the brief period of time that we went back then, um, we would have these flows where she, well, I felt like she was genuinely hearing me mm-hmm. and I was genuinely hearing her. And then inevitably we find ourselves right back in that toxic place for the very same reasons that we, you know, were there before. Um, and it usually had a lot to do with bonus parenting. Mm-hmm. And I made a comment once. Out of control. I made a comment once to Tika when, um, because she, was the bonus parent in my case. I come in with little kids. They both, I think, when she came into my life, they were both exiting toddlerdom, mm-hmm. right? And um, I remember going off on her about my own childhood trauma for something she did that was purely innocent <clears throat> because I was left a lot. As a child, left out. And um, she had my daughter in the car. They were about to run to grab something, and they were going to come back and pick him up because my son was taking his sweet baby time. That that much hasn't changed. <laughs> and, uh, and I wasn't aware of the circumstance. All I knew was that my son went outside. They weren't there. And he comes back in the house, and he's like, they're gone. And I instantly flip out. And I'm like, you don't know how it feels. You don't know because this didn't happen to you. And this is my son. And you don't know what it feels like because you ain't a parent. Like, I'm, And that hurts. Being, I'm going, the other, being the other parent on the other end of that accusation that you're not a parent. When you're 10 toes down in it with you, a partner. With me. When somebody says, oh, you don't get it. You're not their parent. Yeah. That is my child. Like. That cuts deep because here I am. I'm showing up for work every day on time. Overtime. <laughs> In overtime. 20, 29 hours. 29 hours a day. Gall to say that to me? Come on. And the funny part about it, the way she looked at me was that mirror. And in hindsight, I see little Larry saying, you out of pocket. Mm. The child in me looks at me to tell me this ain't that. And I had to, I talk about how important it is to humble ourselves to our spouses. Mm. Because if we don't humble ourselves to our spouses, 
how can we expect our spouses to be humble also? I had to submit myself to myself so that I can submit and show my wife what submission looks like. And I apologized. Like, I would say pretty, pretty through the conversation, pretty immediate. You know, I would imagine and I don't remember. She would have to be the one how long it took for me to be like, yo, I was way wrong because you have been very consistent and expressed to her that was my own hurt that I threw those daggers at you unwarranted. It's unfair. And, and Claudia made a similar acknowledgement to me uh, in, the, in, in short order. It didn't take long for her to realize how badly that hurt me. Yeah. Uh, and she uh, has been very intentional about including me in most major decisions. I think, you know, I think she still sometimes inadvertently reverts back to, you know, mm-hmm. it's my mm-hmm. son, I got this one, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but no, I, I think she has really come a full circle on embracing the fact that, you know, she and I, we're the unit and we direct tra- traffic amongst our family. So that's, that's also helped, you know, support the growth of, you know, being a bonus dad, but also being a dad. It's somehow the team. Maybe, the team. Yeah. It's somehow, it, it's good to have your backup. Somehow it, it, it provided a greater level of security. And I think by the time um, our son, Rogers Allen, was born, um, she had gotten her sea legs back. Because Shane is what, 18 now? He's 18 now. And, and, and when you go from 10, 11, mm-hmm. 18, he's a young man. He's doing his thing. He's on his own. He's still trying to find his way. Mm-hmm. That behavior hasn't necessarily gone anywhere no the uh sediment of that is still very present yeah and you know i i know we're running up uh against our hour here but i have to i have to give credit to process on that as well when you start talking about sediment within a relationship over time sediment will fade Mm -hmm. I think there is still very much sediment within our relationship because of what I discovered in therapy more recently with my wife is my anger towards individuals or my disdain or what they come across as disdain has a lot to do with my protection of her. And so any hurt feelings that I might have had toward my son about me and our relationship, he and I's relationship rather, they're irrelevant. I can compartmentalize that. Mm -hmm. I can say, I see where you're coming from, been where you've been, I understand, and our exchange is good. And then suddenly, they'll say something out of pocket to my wife, or there'll be something that happens between them or between the trifecta of you know his father Claudia mm-hmm. himself, and I'll go right back to like defense mode. Like, there you go again, messing with my wife, and it triggers me. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how to hide that. And you know what? I think this is important too. It's important that you don't. Mm. 
And the reason I say that is because these kids going to be gone. Yeah. And when they out the house, it's just me and you. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing that has to be etched in. So, because sediment, here's the thing, right? Children are their own islands. Mm-hmm. And when you get married, you have taken these two islands mm-hmm. and you made that your own little continent. Mm-hmm. And eventually, just like landmass moves slowly but surely. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't know that I'll ever not be protective of my No, you, 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 you should always be. I, I, even with my little ones, like if, if they say something out of pocket to her, I'm like, I may take them aside and may talk to them privately and directly, but like, this right here, watch how you talk to my wife. Dead my ass. My wife, Dead my wife, ass. And, that, and that's a problem for me. And, and, and if you want to get along with me, and I know you do. This right here is off limits. Yeah. And and that is so, so critical because a lot of people have kids and they prioritize the kids over the marriage. They prioritize the kids over the relationship. And that's when you have problems because you have made them the priority versus us. Because when they gone, it's me and you. And what we're not going to do is talk about why we got distance, why we can't communicate. Or we arguing about that one time, what you had said to the kids or that one time or whatever. Your partner needs to always know that this right here, this continent we created, this land that we're building, this is for us. The kids get to come and visit if we allow it. Mm -hmm. But once they out the house, they know that they can always hop on a boat. They can come over here. They can park. They can eat. They can use our bathroom. They can steal our toilet paper. They can take the last jar of mayonnaise because my wife don't like mayonnaise, but they can take it. They can take my mustard, my honey mustard, my my Dijon mustard because I like Dijon. They can take it. Yeah. But what you're not going to do is come over here and try to burn down my house. Yeah. And so I felt like that was happening every single time that he came back to visit. <clears throat> it would burn down my house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the figurative sense. And... I would get to the point where I was dreading his visits. Not because I didn't love him. What are we going to have to deal with? What are we going to have to deal with this time? What's he going to carry back? What egregious comment is he going to make? Do you feel like that's still the case today? As it, is it as grandiose? It is, or, it is not as grandiose. Or is it, is it more like, let me see, is this still a, is this still a button? No, I don't. I don't think it's as grandiose today. For one, you know, there's a there's an important part of the story that you know we have to unpack, and I'll do it briefly, just to truly understand why we are where we are today. Um, but yeah, no, it, it it is very much a part of the fabric. Mm-hmm. It's but part not, of the story, but 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 not as. As large of a scale as it was, and you know what? What's important here, and and because we've gotten better though, right? You have to understand in that process, Claudia and I have gotten much better. Y'all are tighter now. We are tighter now. We are, as I put it uh, during our last anniversary, we are fortified. We've been through the fire Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Them shoes is tied together tight. Them shoes are tied together tight, and I think that. 
he recognizes us more of a unit now and she feels less um, alone. She feels less alone, but she also doesn't feel as required to cling. Cling to any scrap of affection or acknowledgement or gift of time as she may have felt before. I think when he was trying to get something out of us, when he, you know, he would try to play both sides, I think as a lot of kids often do in families of divorce, you know, I think she felt almost beholden Mm -hmm. to making his wish or his dream come true, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, she reveled in, you know, kind of, a uh, a volleyball mm-hmm. of conversation about maybe what was going on on the other side. And if it wasn't so good, or if, uh, you know, he had an interest in something, she would go above and beyond. We all do that. Yeah. But if you know, you know that Mm -hmm. when you're desperate for a relationship with someone, when you're desperate for acknowledgement from someone and validation from someone, sometimes you have to catch yourself. You feel like she, she, you both, you've both been able to self-manage. Yeah, because I would do it too. For the sanctity of our unity. So listen, guys, it doesn't matter what you've been through it doesn't matter what your circumstances are but what does matter is that no matter what you make a decision for yourself to stay in the fight and as long as you can do that stay in the fight even when you want to quit chances are you might not be lost y'all be easy peace